Hello, and welcome to the show Gold Squadron Gays. It's the podcast where two Star Wars-loving gays break down each episode of their favorite Star Wars TV shows while also being gay as hell. I'm your host, Bradley Brower. I'm your other host, Charles Rogers, and I'm very mad at Star Wars fans right now. Oh, so, really? Let's get wow. into this episode. Wow, what, what a shocking thing. I know, it's, it's shocking that there is a week where I'm like, I kind of hate Star Wars fans at the moment. What do they do this time? Oh, I think you know. <laughs> I think you know. So I I can't watch. Let's let's do it like this. Uh, hey, Star Wars fans, come here. We need to have a talk. Come here. I can't watch Mando when it comes out because I have to get up at 6.30 in the morning to go to work. And I can't wake up at 5.30 in the morning every week for eight weeks. That's just not possible. If you are going to post things online about an episode or a particular scene or a surprise cameo in The Mandalorian, one, those dots on Twitter don't work. Number two, and more especially, if you're gonna post the scene on TikTok, put about five seconds of a spoiler warning in front of it. It's not hard. I use TikTok. I know how easy it is to slap the spoilers in three text on your video. That was how I was spoiled uh, like about three hours before I was able to get home and actually watch it is I was scrolling through TikTok and my TikTok FYP doesn't have a lot of Star Wars on it. You would actually be surprised. That is weird because, I mean, I I have both of our TikToks on there. Like, I have my private one that I don't actually post anything. I just use to scroll. And then I have the one that's, like, our actual Gold Squadron Gaze account. And I we have a ton of Star Wars stuff on that one. But on my actual one... That's where I normally see it, Yeah, is is if I'm on the Gold Squadron account, which I rarely am, or, like, a Star Wars creator. But my FYP doesn't tend to be... Yeah, it just popped right up. Oh, wow. Just popped right up on there. Boo. And I'm like, God damn it. So that was a beautiful special moment that I could not enjoy because someone on TikTok did not tag their spoilers correctly. And because TikTok is just a random, like, it spits random videos one after another. Right. It just spat it right at me. And I was like, oh, God damn it. I would have loved to have seen this naturally. But unfortunately, I can't stay up till midnight or wake up at 530. So mm. thanks for that, y'all. It's like the Bo-Katan thing all over again. I will be eternally mad that Bo-Katan's return was spoiled for me by Twitter by someone who lives in like a European time zone. And so it had been like 20 hours for them since they'd seen it. And they were like, oh, a full day has elapsed. I can post this. No, it's it's only been like 12 hours in the States. Calm down. I feel bad because I think I still have that person muted because I keep forgetting to go in and unmute them. Because I muted them after that. Right. Oopsies. Anyway, nobody spoiled the Bad Batch for me this week. Isn't that nice? It is nice when no one spoils the Bad Batch for (laughs) me. It is great. Shall we talk about this episode of the Bad Batch that I went into completely unspoiled? Absolutely. Let's talk about the penultimate, essentially, episode. Penultimate week. It's not the penultimate penultimate week. You're right. I should specify the penultimate week, not the penultimate episode, even though technically I'm going to count the finale as a part one and part two of the same episode. Episode 14, titled The Tipping, or Tipping Point, I should say, where new information has our heroes taking on a dangerous mission. Charles, what's one thing about this episode you like, and one thing you did not? One thing I liked is that they really did bring in stuff from all a lot of the other episodes in to sort of show how it's all leading up to the events of the finale. I did like that it made it feel more like the season was telling a cohesive story. 
unless that it's like there's a random series of disjointed events. However, it goes hand in hand with the thing that I didn't like, which was this was very blatantly a moving things into place episode. And it almost felt like to the detriment of the episode. Like, I can't explain to you the plot of the episode because there is no plot. It is a series of scenes showing how the plot of the back two episodes ends up happening. No one makes any real character choices. No one changes or grows very much as a character. It's mainly, here's how we move from where we were at the end of the episodic content to the narrative content that we're going for. Uh, so I did think the episode was a little thematically weak in that it didn't have one. Uh, but everything just taken on its own merits, I really, really liked. What about you, Bradley? One thing you liked and one thing you did not. One thing I didn't like, I'm with you on that. It it did The episode felt a little disconjointed in the fact that it did feel a little like, oh, we're just setting up finale. Like it has nothing to do. Like there was no like genuine like problem solution you know that happened in this episode but it was it was i mean it was okay i don't think it was like that egregious it was just okay for me one thing i really liked was the return of hauser that's probably about yes. it yes that yeah that's probably that's all i can say just the return of hauser i like because i love his daddy's color palette, back so I, yeah I, I i mean i don't think he was wearing his color palette in this episode but i enjoy his original color palette i just like him and I like his haircut. I don't know. I just like everything about him. I like him. He's very like daddy clone. Like, yeah. yes. Like older silver fox, like kind of clone. Exactly. I have thoughts. I have feelings. The thoughts are Hauser call me. I am available. <laughs> well, let's dive right into the episode. So they depart from a planet. We will get back to what planet this is later when it is mentioned. Uh, and yes, we do in fact see Daddy Hauser being escorted onto a ship. Now, I thought this was the guy from the outpost because they're both blonde Imperials. Right. Uh, it's not. It's a different guy named Captain Pierce. You want to know who's voicing Captain Pierce? Yes, please. Captain Pierce, we've heard him before. He's been on the show. Uh, he is a guy named Ben Diskin, and we know Ben Diskin from being the voice of AZ3. Mm, okay. So that's the guy who's voicing this Imperial officer. Uh, there's a large voice cast in this episode, but we've already discussed all of them. Oh, okay. Except for that guy. Yep, Ben Diskin. Nice. That's who's playing this. I don't know if we went into him when we did AZ3, but long storied career of doing many different things. His IMDb rules. Just go check it out. I don't I don't have time to go through all the things he's been in. Right. Oh, I was gonna say also he's kind of a twink. He is kind of a twink. <laughs> just to throw that out there like I oh yeah no face, that's yeah. important if you if you pull yeah. him up on he's nearly 30 years of voice acting experience but he still looks like a twink or at least the photo they're using on imdb right yeah who knows what he genuinely looks like now but as a uh, his imdb portrays him as a twink he's so. very very twink <laughs> yeah i like it he's a very pretty man in this photo yeah. Oh my God. I just realized because I was scrolling down because I was like, well, if we're going to talk about him for a minute, I might just will see if I recognize anything. He's the voice of Haida in Agretzico. That's perfect. I, you've never watched Agretzico, have you, Bradley? I just know that it's related to Sanrio in some way, but I don't know. Yeah, what, it's but... Sanrio characters, but they let them. It's a very good show. Uh, my boyfriend mm -hmm. and I just marathoned all of it. I highly recommend it. I also recommend the use of Gazanti Freighters, which we are seeing. Okay. I don't know. That was my segue back into okay, the great. actual episode. Get back into it. Get back right into it. Yeah, we got some Gazanti Freighters. We remember those uh, from Mandalorian and Rebels. And then we also 
also get when they when they start boarding the ship, we get our favorite sound, the Imperial Klaxon. Now there is a thing that happens in this ep- this section of the episode, which I thought was really funny. And that's so Echo busts out and he's shooting the TK troopers, but he's stunning them. Echo. Oh where are you I, stunning the stormtroopers? I did I did notice that and I, I I put it in the back of my brain when we were watching it, like, uh, that's a little weird, but I I didn't think much of it until now you brought it back up. I'm like, wait a minute. This he doesn't knows, add up. Yeah, he knows they're not clone troopers. Like there's this no goes, need to stun them. This goes back into our argument of like they're they just like randomly pick and choose when they, they want to be yeah. violent and not violent. Like I don't understand. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't make a lot of sense when they decide that they want to have the bad batch be these like pacifists who just want to stun everybody or they right. just want to have them go out guns blazing. It's a little inconsistent. Like it doesn't make a lot of sense to me. You know who does make a lot of sense to me? Gregor tossing the grenades up and then shutting the door. <laughs> that was that was funny. I liked Gregor this episode. He was barely in it, but I really liked him. There's two guys with them. One of them's name is Fireball. We've never seen either of these clones before. One of them's name is Fireball. The other's name is Nemec. Interesting. We're not to be confused with Karis Nemec from Andor. <laughs> Why would they do that? You think? No idea. That two separate creative teams coming up with the name Nemec for a character. Yeah, that is that is strange. But again, is this like another situation where they didn't consult the the Bible of Lucasfilm and then be like, oh, did we already use this name or did we not use this name or whatever? I think they didn't ask anybody before they did this whether or not it was it was a name that had shown up elsewhere. But like, so here's the thing that you have to understand about the Lucas story group, right? Is there's yeah. a lot of misconceptions about how Lucasfilm works creatively. The story group is not like a Bible that they have where they're like, uh, you are required to follow in these specific lines mm-hmm. when you do when you do a Star Wars project. And this is where we've run into issues with them before, looking at like the first scene of Bad Batch or uh, Rise of Skywalker conflicting with Poe Dameron's already established backstory, and then they had to go in and fix that. It's not like creatives are required to go consult the story group. It's just a thing you can do. And it's also possible that, because it's not like the whole story group deals with every single project, it's also possible that whoever it was that was working with story group on the Bad Batch wasn't the same person who was working with Andor. So it's probably just a case of two separate groups came up with the name Nimic, especially since both of them would have been in production around the same time. Do you think that this would be a, an opportunity for Lucasfilm or um, John Favreau or whoever to kind of like ha- establish a team of some sort that is on every single, they are literally just like a couple people on every single show and then they kind of just monitor the story and just make sure that no one is conflicting stories basically. I do wish, I don't think Favreau would have anything to do with that. I do wish that they were a little more aggressive about story group at times. I I understand, look, I understand it's a mythology, not a history. Some things are going to conflict. That's fine. It's about telling the best story. I do wish they were a little more like, we would really like you to take this to story group and make sure that no one else has done this. Because it would have been really easy for somebody to point out to them, hey, we've already kind of done Kanan in Order 66 in the Kanan the Last Padawan comic. Or like, and I suppose it's something too with the attitude of the creatives at Lucasfilm because they're very, we're making a mythology and things aren't going to line up, which is why Dave Filoni felt like he could go and do his version 
of what happened with Ahsoka after Order 66 that kind of was the same, but not really of the Ahsoka novel. I don't know. I, I wish more creatives there made more use of the story group. I agree. I think, I mean, it's different when you have something like Andor, which is a little bit more of like a, we can kind of run with it because these stories have never been told or this this right. section is, hasn't been told yet. So it's fine. You don't really have to consult necessarily. But when you go backwards in time to stuff like Bad Batch, where it's taking place during essentially a time where, you know, now that it's taking place essentially before Andor, but Andor is made, was made before Bad Batch 2. It's, so it's, confusing, it's confusing and complicated. Yeah. yeah, it's 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 hard. I do, yeah. And I mean, the thing with the galaxy is it's so big that there's so many different stories you can tell that don't necessarily conflict with each other. But I do wish that they would communicate a little bit better about, like, is this a thing that already exists? Like, there was something, not to bag on Rise of Skywalker, but there was an interview where somebody was talking about, oh, I like to think of Exegol as, like, the home world of the Sith or the, the something world of the Sith. And I'm like, we already have that. It's called Moribend. Uh, it was in Clone Wars uh, before. <laughs> Before that, it was Korriban. Uh, kind of a big deal. Uh, a lot of people know what Korriban is. Uh, so I like my headcanon fix for that is I've always imagined Exegol is like a Sith throne world. Not necessarily where they came from, but a world where like Drummond Kost. We don't have to get into all of that. But yeah, uh, this is a lot of discussion out of someone having the same name. Anyway, I wish more creatives would use story group. Not feel like they necessarily need to like be 100% bound by everything other people did, but talk to each other. Maybe right. it would help things go down. Look how good Andor and Obi-Wan Kenobi were by working with previously established material. Exactly. Uh, speaking of previously established material, so the guy like zaps himself with the like electric cyanide pill. Yep. And I have in my notes, this is less shocking than it used to be. I think it's because the first time we saw it, we were like, oh shit, like that's not something that we've ever really seen. And now it's just kind of like, eh, we've seen it before. Correct. I'm, I'm, we've the, seen the it twice before. Yeah. Um, it's it's less shocking than it <laughs> used to be. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> there he is. He just got it. Evidence. I'm so funny. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so funny and witty and clever and good looking and I have a 401k and okay. a working car. Uh, yeah, I just have in my notes the opening five minutes are just really good. Like it's a really yeah, solid it, Star Wars. It's very exciting. Um, we like it. I mean, honestly, even though it the suicide shocker thing is expected, it's still it's still a nice cap to the, the whole entire right. events that are taking place. I like the pace of the opening five minutes. I like that we're dealing with Echo and Rex. I like that Hauser there uh, and Gregor's there and, and we're getting some more time with these characters but I like it. I like that each character kind of gets a moment. You know, Gregor gets a moment Rex gets a moment, Echo gets a moment everybody kind of gets a moment during this little heist. I do like that uh, a great deal. My next note is the, the shot of Mount Tantus with it because they're going to jump over to Mount Tantus. Uh, I have this is pretty even on my computer. Ooh, okay. Because oh my god this animation. Yeah, because they did this one at night now. Yeah, this is like this beautiful night shot and it's like kind of raining I think think a little bit right comparatively when we first saw Mount Tantus back in season one where it's this gorgeous daylight kind of you know you see the mountain peak in it's all its glory in the bright sunlight now we're getting like this almost evil kind of like everything's dark and rainy and gross 
I like it. I love it. I love it. It's so good and atmospheric. Like, mm -hmm. they really are just showing off at this point. Uh, oh, yeah, of course. Because when they have time, now they're like, you know what? Let's just enhance this, this scenic shot a little bit more. <laughs> Let's throw a little more weather effects on there. Right, of course. Uh, so Crosshair is being, like, strapped to a table. And uh, Emery Carr is like, the doctor will come in and see you. Uh, there's also a bit where Crosshair walks by clones. Uh, this is our first sign that uh, clones are being taken to Mount Tantus, mm. uh, which we will find out confirmed in later scenes that all clones are being taken there. And I have in my note, oh, this guy is Joseph Mengele. This is not even being subtle. Okay, so for those of us who were not You're gonna born... I knew you were going to ask me who <laughs> Joseph Mengele is. So... I am aware that we are an E for Explicit podcast. I am aware that we have a lot of history people in the audience. So I am going to attempt to explain this in as least traumatizing a way as possible. Okay. Joseph Mengele was a Nazi doctor okay. who did a bunch of really fucked up human experimentation. Like, unbelievably fucked up stuff. I believe he was uh, stationed at Auschwitz. Uh, but I'm not 100% sure off the top of my head which concentration camp he was at. But he performed really horrible, horrible experiments on prisoners. Uh, and he is pretty famous for being the worst, like, Nazi doctor war criminal for all of the extremely messed up stuff that he did. Okay. And Dr. Hemlock seems to me like a very, like, Star Wars-y, this is appropriate for kids version of that. Ah, uh, like a Particularly veiled, like, kind later, of like, here it is, yeah. There'll be a note later, but any anyone who knows anything about about World War II will immediately clock, oh, this guy was is Joseph Mengele. Uh, that's who this is supposed to be. It's supposed to be his riff on, on this horrible, terrifying doctor. Uh, because even the way that, uh, I think it's Jimmy Simpson plays him, even the way that they're playing him is kind of in line with how Mengele was described mm. by people who interacted with him. So yeah, they're not even being subtle. That's who this is. Also, I did find out what happened to his body after he died, and that was actually that did make the fact that I had to read the rest of the article about what he did a bit <laughs> worth it. He does eventually die. He dies by drowning. He has a stroke while swimming and drowns. Um, okay. Which is correct. And, uh, well, actually would have been correct if he was executed for his crimes against humanity, but he does die, which is good. There's a whole, like, his body disappears for a whole bunch of years, and then they eventually find it. Nobody wants this body. Nobody wants his body. So it gets donated to, like, this Brazilian medical institute and is now used as a teaching aid. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> this guy turned into like a classroom skeleton, which oh, okay, interesting. There's your there's your fun fact for the day. Uh, that is that was fun, I guess. Uh, I did I did tell a group chat with Aaron in it. Uh, hey guys, you're never gonna guess what happened to Joseph Mengele's body. <laughs> so we all had had some good enjoyment at the fact that his body is now being used by actual scientists doing actual science, nice, uh, and not horrible Nazi monsters who should burn in hell for all eternity <laughs> for their crimes. That was a tangent. Moving on. <laughs> So not Joseph Mengele here is like, tell us where the Bad Batch are. I need to compel the scientist to work. And Crosshair is like, I don't know. Yeah. And in my notes, I'm like, yeah, he really doesn't know. Isn't that so unfortunate when you don't actually know the information and they still torture you anyway? Exactly. It's like, we will torture you until you give us the information. Okay. Okay. Well, he like... does basically say like, well, you know how they think. I think they're doing the thing where they're going to torture him for a little bit and then see if he gives the information over. 
over, but uh, it never gets that far. Uh, so they're getting ready to do this, and then one of the troopers mentions uh, that they lost a prisoner transport that was leaving Balmora, which is our planet from the opening. Okay. Pause, because that name made me perk my ears up, because I know Balmora. Balmora is a major planet in Star Wars The Old Republic. Mm. It is the... One to third planet you go to is an Imperial character in the base game. And it's like the seventh or eighth planet you go to as a Republic character. Uh, but then I believe it was also in Dark Empire. Let me check. Uh, yeah, it was also it was also in Dark Empire 2, uh, which is where it actually originated. So Balmora is generally portrayed as a very war-torn planet. And it's pretty accurate to what we see in the episode. So we zip over to Coruscant. And my note says, we're really just tying it all together, huh? Yeah, this is where it made me go. Oh, so every character that we've met so far along our journey is going to come back in the finale, basically. <laughs> yep. <laughs> they were like, oh, what if we did some, what if we did some actual, like, uh, connective storytelling? I was not expecting Chi Chi to show up, but there we Always go. nice to see Jennifer Hale. Always nice to see Jennifer Hale. Speaking of Chi Chi, there's a little moment where Chi Chi, like, puts her hand on Echo's shoulder, and I'm like, do I ship that? This? No, uh, don't say that. Oh, damn it. Now it's going to be a thing. It's 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 almost certainly a thing. It's probably it's already a thing. A, it's almost. Uh, Chuchi used to get shipped with one of the clone characters. I think it was Fox a lot. I think she used to get shipped with Fox a lot back in the Clone Wars days. Uh, I might kind of be on board with the Echo uh, Rio Chuchi ship. Can we just let characters not be sexual? Like, can they just like live uh, ambiguously and they? Uh, all no, because I'm a lives? fan on the internet. <laughs> well, they don't have to bang, but they can be dating. Well, it is a kids show, so they are not indefinitely banging. They are just holding hands. Not according to the internet. <laughs> Clearly, Bradley, you have never been to AO3. Clearly, you don't know what's happening in those dark depths. Honestly, the only fan fiction I've ever read is of Tom Holland, and that's about it. Like, I've never read any other fan fiction. I don't, uh, I don't proceed to ever go into that kind of stuff, but... Oh, yeah. fan fiction. <laughs> I don't want to think about the amount of fan fiction I've read or fan art I've seen or anything from my Tumblr days, really. Uh, I prefer mm. not to think about my Tumblr days. Uh, that's back in the past. We don't need to talk about. There's a lot we don't need to talk about. Okay. I, okay. Wait. That's already. I just I came up with a new idea. It's a podcast where all you do is read Star Wars fan fiction. You just read it. That's it. So you do voice acting work for the Star Wars fans. So <laughs> our friends actually over at the Divas Patreon. Uh -huh. uh, if you join the Divas Patreon for five dollars a month, one of the perks you get is Steph reading smutty fan fiction that's amazing and i need to listen to that as soon as possible <laughs> steph reading smutty dirty fan fiction I, maybe um, we should do that <laughs> i'm gonna i think i'm gonna steal that idea we should probably she's, do that <laughs> she's a better voice actor than us yeah but is it really about the voice acting or is it about getting you know horny <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I don't know what people are reading smutty fan fiction for. I know why I'm reading it. There you go. Uh, but that's between me and God. <laughs> One day I will stand before the throne of heaven and have to account for all of my sins and we're going to be sitting there for a while. They're going to go, so did you read this uh, Thrawn and who is this character that he's fucking in this story? <laughs> well, you'll have to be more specific because I've read quite a few. Uh, <laughs> Gross. Anyway, those those are all of my notes for this scene. I mean, it's nice to see Rio Chuchi. It's nice to see Hauser. Um, yep. I could see I could see Echo and Rio Chuchi going out on like a coffee date. 
Sure. I could I could see this back over on Mount Tantus. Uh, so here's a question that I wanted to pose in light of Emery Carr's face uh, at the end of the episode. Do we think she let Crosshair go? I was thinking that when I was watching the episode, I thought she was like like being like a double agent of some kind. And she was kind of like, OK, I'm just going to loosen the strap. I'm just going to like, you know, let him go and or like make a fake attempt where like, oh, no, he escaped because he got the drop on me or something like that. Like, I think she did it on purpose. I also think she did it on purpose. I think she's the, the she's a sympathizer who's yeah. feeding information. I think she's working against we're going to it's almost certain we're going to learn who she is. She she has shown up way too much to not be important. Mm, I think so. I think you're right. Yeah, because it just seemed weird that she just kind of like, she's like, oh, there's no need to, you know, what did she say? Like, we don't need to straighten uh, his restraints or some, tighten his restraints or something like that. She's she like, tells yeah, him fine. to tighten. Well, she says you do, we don't need to keep torturing him. Oh, we don't need to keep torturing him. That's what she said. He's going to die. He, if he dies, he can't tell us anything. Right, 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 right. And then she's like, uh, she leaves the restraints and then she's like, y'all go tighten the restraints. Mm, okay. I'm like, mm, suspicious. Yeah, got it. Okay. My note here is just this music is excellent. I really like the Kevin Kiner's music on the show. Like I particularly highlighted this bit where Crosshair is trying to escape. Crosshair attempts to escape, sends out a message to the Bad Batch on a comm frequency, and then is immediately recaptured by creepy doctor guy <laughs> who's quickly turning into one of my most hated Star Wars villains. Which is definitely a good thing. Definitely a good thing. <laughs> so I actually, we, we ran a test episode uh, when we were figuring out like the Zoom stuff and all of that. Uh, we actually ran a test episode where I brought on Jordan, who's the artist who does the Gold Squadron art. Uh, mm. She doesn't really know anything about Star Wars, but I walked her through who Dr. Cornelius Evazon is. Mm. And at the time, Dr. Cornelius Evazon was the worst medical malpractice criminal in Star Wars. I do think Dr. Royce Hemlock may be being worse. Like he may eclipse Dr. Evazon and Dr. Evazon made the decraniated, which mm. is unbelievably fucked up. I just like how Hemlock seems to be like he he's definitely smart in the fact that he's not evil. He's just really, really smart. You know what I mean? Like he's serving himself. He's not necessarily serving others, which is why like doctor characters are always so interesting because, you know, everybody knows that doctors have a God complex. And this character seems to be like, oh, well, he's always one step ahead of everybody because he like, for example, he has this toxin that he's already inoculated himself with. And he's like, well, whenever I need to knock somebody out, I'll just release this poisonous gas. Yes, in the room and then I good. feel like you have a lot of opinions about doctors how many of your exes are doctors <laughs> not enough fortunately <laughs> because, because otherwise I'd be set for life and I wouldn't have to be working and then I'd be happy in my <laughs> my current situation wow okay <laughs> if there are any doctors in the audience that are into um into star wars i guess that's into really star only... wars yeah, loving twinks uh yeah, i can give you bradley's number that, that's really the only requirement I, like yeah slide into bradley's dms if you are if you are rich and you can put up with a lot of star wars conversation mm. um, and no and no like weird like no children doctors like i don't want no pediatrics like none of that no shit. pediatrics I want, no, no i don't want you to be a child i don't want no family doctor no children's doctor you have to either be like a surgeon or like a plastic surgeon or like something really cool like an emergency room doctor or something you know oh you don't like, want to date an emergency room doctor trust me you do not want to date an emergency you want like a plastic surgeon you want like a plastic surgeon or you want somebody in like orthopedics mm, there or you go yeah. 
something one of those like specialty doctors that's the one that you yeah want. I, you're right i want a specialty doctor i don't want any want the doctors like, whose yeah. offices are open like nine to six mm -hmm. who oh, don't yeah. have to and work outside close on the weekends closed on the weekends closed on holidays uh-huh that's 100%. what you want because you know they're actually, still making bank i would also I, i'd also take a dentist because then i wouldn't have to pay to ever go to the dentist again that would be great Thanks. Uh, yes, that is true. That's kind of a top tier uh, requirement for me. And also, I, don't I be... have dental insurance, so. Uh, well, that that must be nice for you. I... It is very nice. I, I keep reminding all of my millennial friends that I have dental insurance and watching their faces seethe with like rage. Yeah, they're like, wait, what is that? No, that's my only requirement. My other only requirement is they can't be a Nazi doctor like this one. So that's yes, no more criminals, please. <laughs> yes, that's no my horrible experimentation doctor. Just right. not Nazis are bad. Like, just stay away from me, please. Thank you. So we zip back over to Pabu, and I have a note here. Do you remember way back in episode four, we were talking about, oh, we think that this might be unique models in the crowd? Because mm -hmm. you remember how, it's been a while since you've watched it, but do you remember how in like the Mandalorian episodes of uh, Clone Wars, there was like three different character models, and that was it? So all the right. crowds were like the same variation of blue-eyed, blonde, white people. Like, they were all the same character model. Yes. I looked at some of these scenes on Pabu, and it feels like every background person is a unique model. I mean, I, I would hope so. Only because, like, I feel like that's somebody's job, right? Like, literally, their it's only job is to design background people. Yeah. But it used to be because you have to design them, you have to animate them, you have to rig mm -hmm. it up, you have to get them lit properly. That's why they keep doing, like, copy-pasted one, or they do aliens where they can make them all look basically the same. Where they take a Rodian and they just change the color. And they're right. just like, well, there you go. I think, I think that a lot of these background models in Pabu are the different people mm. which is incredibly impressive i'll have to go back and look yeah it's i i looked to see if i could spot any that were the same and i couldn't spot any it was really quite impressive a lot of diversity of of uh skin tones and aliens and humans and all of that i do really like that speaking of diversity it's time for whose goddamn white baby is that the part of the show where I tell you uh, whether or not I rolled my eyes at how white the Bad Batch appear on my screen on my HDTV in the dark, which is about the best way you can watch this. Uh, my my focus this time was on Hunter, since he gets the most directly lit scenes. Depends on who he's standing next to, yeah. because when he's talking to Shep, uh, and he's in the Shep scene with Shep and Wrecker and uh, the other characters, looking pretty white there, buddy. Put him next to Echo? And I'm like, so it depends. It It's the context of the scene, the lighting and who he's next to tech. I think didn't spend a lot of time not on the ship, but we also know how I feel about tech. Uh, and Wrecker looked fine. Omega also looked fine to me. There was no point where I was like, whose goddamn white baby is that to mm -hmm. Omega? But so I'm gonna give this episode a, eh, I'm going to give it a, a B minus. Okay. I like that. It's room for improvement. I don't think any episode has gotten an A thus far, but it's definitely not one of the most egregiously awful ones that I've seen. So that right. concludes whose goddamn white baby is that. Tune in next week for the final installment of how <laughs> fucking white are these people. <laughs> and that uh, brings us to our next new section called Gonky Watch, where we just point out yes. the fact that Gonky exists. <laughs> And now it's time for Gonky Watch, the bit of the show where we remind you that Gonky is in the show. Yep, there there is go. a shot of Gonky sitting behind Tech and Omega. 
Perfect. That has been Gonky Watch for this episode. <laughs> I'm glad that we we bring him up from time to time, you know, just because you it's, know, it's important here. to remember. It, look, if AZ three is going to get shafted, right? Which they just left AZ three with Sid. Which is unfortunate because now we know where that storyline is going. Um, that doesn't bode well for AZ. No, I'm a little worried. <laughs> yeah. I feel like they, they wrote AZ surviving and then didn't know what to do with him. Right. They just kind of went, oh, yeah, he 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 did survive because otherwise it would have been really sad. Here. Yeah. He's around here. Yeah. Yeah, oh, well. Speaking of people who are just kind of around here, uh, I do have my note. The, the conversation with Hunter and Shep is interesting because especially when we see Wrecker come up in the background and he's fitting in really well with Island Life. And it's like, okay, yeah, they genuinely would be really happy if they stayed here. But even Hunter's starting to get his cold feet in his Hunter way because he won't commit to anything fucking ever. And I'm like, dude, everyone would be would love to stay here. They would be really happy. Why are you being weird about this? And it's annoying, too, because Shep brings up the fact he's like, well, when he says, like, you guys could be here and Hunter's like, nah, we're soldiers. We can't do that. Uh, clearly, Wrecker doesn't give a shit about being a soldier because he's making he's being very useful to these people. Like, and he's well, fitting Shep, in perfectly. Shep also asks, like, when Hunter says, oh, we're just soldiers. And, and Shep's like, is that all you are? Right. And it's sort of the thesis statement of the entire show. All mm-hmm. two seasons of the show so far has been what are you when you are not a soldier? So I think this conversation alone is really important for this episode and then for the overall art, because it's kind of the thesis statement of the show. You know, who are you when you are not a soldier anymore? Uh, My next note is, oh, Omega is so flying that ship in the finale. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Because we've had the ship flying as a theme throughout the entire season. Mm -hmm. Uh, So she's definitely going to fly that in the finale. She's going to execute the tech turn in the finale. There you go. Yeah, why set it up if they weren't going to use it? So I totally agree. Yep. Uh, I have here poor Gonky. And then I also thought it was really funny when when tech kind of stumbled out of the ship. Right. When they land and tech's kind of like, I thought that was very funny. Echo gives tech the data to decrypt and then tech's going to go and do that. Cut back to Mount Tantis. Royce Hemlock is having a meeting with Grand Moff Tarkin. This asshole again. Is he a Grand Moff now? Or is he still Governor Tarkin? He is Governor Tarkin. And they refer okay. to him as Governor Tarkin. I believe his military rank at this point is Grand Moff. Ooh, that's a good question. This is the thing know. Charles didn't research. <laughs> I mean, not that I know Tarkin. anything about military ranking. Well, military just... ranking in Star Wars doesn't make any goddamn sense. Right. Like, at all? Hmm, that's a good, good question. When they start having moths. Yeah. When do they start having moths? When does he become a grand moth? Because he's a grand moth by the time of Rebels. Right. You know that for a fact. We're almost, we're not pushing up to that yet. Or are we? Oh, I don't even know the timeline about where we are right now. We're We're about about a year year out from Revenge of the Sith. So we still got a solid nine-ish, or no, not nine, uh, like almost like it's 20 years up until new hope right so uh it's about 18 18 18-ish years got it okay so we're still a solid 17 18 years out if anyone knows exactly at what point tarkin was promoted to grand moth <laughs> don't tell me i don't care right i'm, I'm sure someone will at me about this they someone who will. knows way more about will of tarkin <laughs> than and than i cared to learn tarkin mentioned something called the summit which is interesting because I thought that the summit in the episode title referred to the literal peak of Mount Tantus, the summit. Uh-huh. Uh huh. 
No, I think it's like a meeting. Right. Well, you know, what's funny is I thought maybe it was both. So I thought it's like a double entendre kind of thing. Oh, like yeah, where they're they... going to have a meeting on Mount Tantus. Right. Like the a summit being, at the summit. Right. Who's at that? Who's going to be at that summit? Right. I don't know. I mean, I'm assuming Palpatine. Is that what they're going with here? Maybe. We know Tarkin. Probably Royce right. Hemlock as well. But the question is like, who else might be? Oh, I guess I guess we'll find out. I we'll guess we'll find, find out. out in a couple of days. That's right. But yeah, it was because they've had them before. There was a big meeting. Uh, that was the whole plot of the D Squad arc was that there was going to be this big meeting. And it turned out that there was a separatist attack planned on it. And then that obviously got foiled by the droid squad. Some other stuff happened, and I prefer to not think about the D-Squad arc. Well, you know what? Now I'm thinking about it. Hemlock's going to be briefing at the summit, so I'm assuming what that means is he's going to be like, hey, Palpatine, here's how we can clone your stupid body. Like, that's basically what they're going to, I'm assuming I what they're doing. I wonder if that's that's what the summit yeah, I think that is going to be like, Palpatine and Masa Meda and yeah, or just like Palpatine and Tarkin coming out there to be like, oh, you know, what I'll figure it out. Yet? You know yeah, what I just had a really <laughs> horrifying thought. You know who might come to the summit? Darth Vader. Oh, Darth Vader, who knows who Echo is. Oh, interesting. And has worked, worked with Rex for the entirety of the Clone Wars. That is interesting. Yeah, Vader could very... I don't want to be like, oh, is Darth Vader going to show up in this? Is Darth Vader going to show up in that? Is Darth Vader going to show up in Andor? I think there's a better than likely chance we see Darth Vader just because we have enough people connected to Anakin Skywalker in the Bad Batch. Mm, Yeah. That it's entirely possible we may see Vader before the end of, of the show. If not the end of this season, then by the end of the show, we may see Vader. Right. And I don't think that that's a weird thing to introduce only because of the connections to Anakin Skywalker. Right. Like, I, I think it makes sense. And it's not like it makes sense here. Like, it, yeah, it makes sense. If he showed up in Andor, that would have been weird and fan servicey. Right. Because he really has no reason to be involved in that story. If mm-hmm. Rex gets involved, that gives Vader a reason to get involved. Right. I don't know. I do. I do think it's it's possible. Yeah. Hemlock basically says, send me all of the clones so that I can do my experiments on them and find ways to, you know, deal with them. And again, I have in my notes, in all caps, not even subtle. (laughs) Congratulations, Jennifer Corbett, on having read a history book. I know exactly what you're doing here. (laughs) It is very obvious who this is supposed to be. If I didn't say it before, um, don't Google what Joseph Mengele did, just take my word for it, unless you have a very strong stomach. Uh, right. Don't go Googling. Just know that he was a Nazi and bad. And just take this version with Royce Hemlock. Just go with this. You don't need to know what the real guy actually did. Uh, it was really bad. Something is mentioned. Uh, so they they jump back to Pabu, and they're having a conversation on the ship, and the Advanced Science Division is mentioned. Now, I thought, because I wrote it down in my notes, I was like, is that the division that Galen Erso is going to be eventually be part of? No, uh, according to Wikipedia, it is a completely separate entity. Okay. Let me see if I can find which one. Uh, so Galen Erso is going to be part of the Imperial Military Department of Advanced Weapons Research. 
It's under the direction of Orson Krennic. I do believe it is the one that Galen Erso. This is the other thing Charles didn't research. <laughs> yeah, so yeah, Galen was not a part of the same advanced sciences division, at least not as we know it. He was, at least according to Wikipedia, specifically he was working for the Tarkin Initiative, uh, which okay. was something different. I will show up later. Yeah, so crosshairs being held for the, in this place, it's like probably going to do weird experimentation on clones, but we don't know where it's going. I think it might be going in like a, yeah, that it's they're trying to do the Emperor clones direction because it seems like right. Mandalorian right now is trying to explain where Snoke came from. Right. So talking about strand casts, and this I think is trying to explain where the Palpatine clones come from. Right. Rise of Skywalker. I do like how Tech immediately knows what crosshair means when crosshair is like Plan Eighty Eight, and Tech's like, "Oh, that means that they're looking for someone, probably Omega." And I, I just think it's nice that Tech knows how Crosshair thinks. Right. And then we jump back to Crosshair, who's continuing to be tortured by Royce Hemlock. Uh, and then we get a shot of Emery Carr looking weirdly conflicted. And that is where the episode randomly ends. Yeah, it it was a weird ending, but I was also like, well, yeah, that's because next week is the actual ending. <laughs> like, So it's not really like that weird. I guess they were just introducing everything, setting it all up. And honestly, I don't know how I feel about like we we've gotten to this point of now well, what we thought was crosshair redemption but now i feel like it's not even crosshair redemption anymore it's just are we gonna rescue crosshair or are we not gonna rescue crosshair yeah i i gotta see where it all lands like i yeah. like the direction it's going i like that crosshair you know tried to get a message out to them i like his defiance we didn't talk about it but there's a shot where right at the very end where hemlock's like are you gonna tell us and he gives like a look forward uh that basically is like no 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 i'm not gonna yeah. tell you shit Right. Uh, so like he's determined to protect the Bad Batch. You know, he's not going to help the Empire anymore. So I want to see where this all lands. I want to yeah. see where this, this all is going. What are your final thoughts on this episode, Bradley? Um, Final thoughts are, I, I you know, I didn't like, a, a, if did, like I said before, it did felt a little disconjointed, but that's because, again, it was trying to set up the next two episodes. So I, you know, I'm not going to be so super like invested in that theory or that thought of like oh it was not that great of an episode because of this um it was fine i mean i, I think it was just a fine episode I, I like some of the returning people um and i do kind of like that they are going in this different direction with crosshair i just wish it hadn't taken this long to get to this point with crosshair like i wish they would have uh, like gone a little bit more into it quicker or just had more episodes with crosshair to kind of balance out the season a little bit more but other than that, I mean, it was an okay episode. What about you? Uh, yeah, we very much teed up the ball, you know, for the final swing. Um, and this really was just the bit where we're tossing the ball up into the air and we're about to hit it, which, you know, these episodes are generally some of the weaker ones. Whenever you watch a show, the, the we're very obviously maneuvering people into place for the final big blowout. But as far as those types of episodes go, it was fine. I liked every scene individually. I just didn't like them overall as an episode. And it may be one thing that changes when we have the final two episodes uh, and we can watch the entire season all together uh, because I will marathon it before we do our retrospective. I know it's, it's a weaker episode by necessity and I'm hoping that a weaker setting things up episode is gonna lead to a stronger finale. I, I think so. But we'll see. Alrighty, well next week we will be back for the final two episodes of The Bad Batch. Uh, and then, reminder, 
Uh, we're going to do our retrospective on The Bad Batch. That'll be the week after. And then we will do an episode zero of The Mandalorian that we recorded several weeks ago prior to watching the first episode. So when you hear our episode zero, it will be what we thought before we saw any of The Mandalorian season three. So that'll be upcoming. Keep your ears to your podcatcher and subscribe to this podcast if you want to hear more about that. Also, um, please rate the show and also please review the show if you like what you are hearing. It does help the algorithm push us out to more people. And with that said, Bradley, uh, go ahead and run the socials. Thank you for listening to Gold Squadron Gaze. Did Charles fuck something up? Send us a message at goldsquadrongaze at gmail.com. Follow us on Twitter at goldsquadgaze. Follow us on Instagram and TikTok at goldsquadrongaze. Subscribe to us on YouTube at goldsquadrongaze, where we post the podcast as well as exclusive content. Please join us next week and every week for more of Gold Squadron Gaze. Welcome to the show, Gold Squadron Gaze, where I talk about all the toys that I collect, even though I don't need to be spending any more money, and I just dropped like over $200, $300 on toys that I don't need that I'm going to hang up in my room, and it's going to be really, really cool. Unfortunately, I still don't need them. 